Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. God wants to reach all nations with the gospel. Jesus has timelessly commissioned his church to go and make disciples. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. Why don't we put our hands together? Let's welcome all those in Cambridge, in Leicester, and joining us online for this Vision Sunday. Talking of vision, I love this translation of Proverbs 29, verse 18. It says, when there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. As you look ahead to 2023, how many don't want to quickly wander astray? Yeah? How many would like heaven's bliss to fill your soul? Well, the, the key is to have, notice there, a clear prophetic vision that comes from a revelation of the Word. Many years ago, it was around sort of um, 2003-2004, we started seeking the Lord together as a team about what the long-term vi vision or mission of Kingsgate was to be. And we came up uh, with this phrase that I'd like you to read with me. You'll see it on your cards if you're in the room or you can uh, see it online. Uh, let's read this together. This is our long-term mission as Kingsgate. Can we say this together? Transforming lives from our neighborhoods to the nations by the power of God's love. And then a little bit more recently, we start to explore this a bit deeper and thought, well, what does it look like for our lives and other people's lives to be transformed? And we came up with four priorities. And these priorities you'll see are, can we say this together? Knowing God, living in freedom, growing in community, and making a difference. Now, that's our long-term mission. That's worth living for. That's worth um, giving our all for. I don't know about you, but I'm more passionate than ever that yours and my life will be increasingly transformed by the power of God's love and that there are multitudes both near and far whose lives need to be transformed through Jesus Christ. Amen. So that's what we're giving our long-term future for. But also, what we've done over many decades now is we've 
taken time to seek the Lord for a shorter term vision. In, in this case, last year, we spent time as a team looking at, is there a particular emphasis that the Lord wants to bring to us in 2023 that will help us, as it were, move forward in our long-term mission? And the, the two words we came up with, you'll have already seen on the promo, is radical disciples. Can we say that together? Radical disciples. Now, as you hear those words, radical disciples, I don't know what immediately comes to mind. It may be of John the Baptist, long hair, wild looking in the desert, eating locusts and wild honey, living solitary. And some of you may think, that's not me. I'm not that kind of radical. Anyone else say, I'm not that kind of radical? You're not by personality that kind of uh, person. Um, but the good news is, neither were a number of Jesus' disciples. As Chris laid out um, so helpfully last week, Jesus calls all different personality types, including you and me. He called those who were naturally bold and proactive. He also called those who were maybe by personality more gentle and reflective. And yet for all of us, his call is for us to radically follow him. You see, to be a disciple of Jesus necessarily means being radical. You see, in the first century context, to be a disciple meant you became a follower of a rabbi or a traveling teacher. And the idea was that you would get called, in this case, the disciples get called by Jesus. They go and they spend a whole bunch of time with him. They learn from him, they imitate him, and they end up doing what he uh, was doing. I love Peter. Peter learned a lot from Jesus. How many know he had a messed up journey of discipleship, but he ended up where God wants him, doing the works of Jesus. So if, if Peter was transformed, you know there's hope for you and me. And it was radical to be a disciple back then, but <clears throat> I would say it's increasingly radical to be a disciple in our 21st century Western world. You see, if you uh, think of my two feet here, um, and this, this foot here represents the culture of the West, and this represents the core of Jesus. Now, 70 years ago, um, these two feet were closer together. In other words, there was what was called cultural Christianity, where because much of what we know and is good in our society came from the Bible and the teachings of Jesus, um, there was a lot of people in the culture who maybe weren't fully Christians, they weren't born again, but they said, yes, I follow the teachings of Jesus. How many know that is changing fast? And so over the last 70 years, what started to happen is, is that the, the culture of the world has been moving further and further and further I'm going to do myself some damage here, and further and further, and in the last few years in particular, it's been going rapidly away from the call of Jesus. So the middle ground that people tried to live in, which was, yeah, I'm a Christian by name only. Can I say that middle ground is rapidly disappearing? If not, it's gone altogether. And so if you and I are going to be a follower of Jesus, we cannot have one foot in both camps, otherwise we're going to end up doing us some damage. Can I say, if there's only one way to be a follower of Jesus, then and now, and it's this, we have to have both feet in the kingdom of God. Amen. Full on. And I want to tell you, although it sounds challenging, radical, can I say it's the best way to live? 
It's a horrible place to live when you're pulled all the time by the culture and the call of Jesus. You end up almost like spiritually schizophrenic, like where am I living? No, no, the only way to live free and a life of adventure and purpose and fulfillment is to be all in. That's the only type of disciple that Jesus called in the first century and in our 21st century Western world. And this is the call for Kingsgate. If we're to fulfill our long-term mission, for our lives to be increasingly transformed, many others, it's time for us to put both feet together and say, I am signing up to be a radical disciple of Jesus. And that's what this vision emphasis is about. It's more really about who we are and out of knowing who we are, it will affect um, how we live. So what I want to do um, is I want to give a very brief introduction this week, and then the next four weeks we're going to be unpacking what we've defined as the four characteristics of a radical disciple. And you'll just see that each of them map onto the four priorities of a transformed life. We're going to base it on Matthew 28, what's known as the Great Commission. So, first uh, characteristic of a radical disciple. Radical disciples continually encounter Jesus. They continually encounter Jesus. Now, some of you may know, when I was 18, I was at the baggage queue at Heathrow Airport, Terminal 4, and I had a life-changing encounter. I met this lovely 19-year-old girl called Karen. And now our first encounter, here's me, super romantic, was would you like to come and have a cup of tea? I mean, how many know that is ro- being romantic off the charts? So, so we had our first <clears throat> encounter over a cup of tea, and then, uh, long story short, we had many other <clears throat> encounters, and that led to us eventually getting married. Now, imagine if we said, right, we've done with that encounter business, you know, we're together, um, you know, our relationship wouldn't have really grown or developed much, would it? It would have just gone stale. But instead, 37 and a half years later of married life, we've had thousands of cup of tea and lots of other kind of varied encounters. And the more we know one another, with all our imperfections, and on my side there are many, um, we get closer. And yes, it takes forgiveness and grace, but I can honestly say, the more I know Karen, the more I love her, the more I spend time with her. Yeah, thank you. It's true. At age 19, I had another, even more important, life-changing encounter. I got born again. I met Jesus Christ, and he completely changed my life. That initial life-changing encounter led to many, many more encounters. For me, it started with just this insatiable hunger to know the one who'd saved me. And it did start for me with learning how to pray and learning how to get up in the morning and give my mornings to him. Uh, 40 years later, I can honestly say I know Jesus far better. He's far more wonderful than I ever could have imagined. 
And my life with him is not sort of just segmented into a morning devotion and then I carry on do my thing. In my day and my week and my month and my year, years are now punctuated by continual encounters with this amazing Jesus who's not physically confined now to being in one place at one time. Because he's alive and he's with me and in me by his spirit, I can meet with him any time, any day, in the midst of a busy week, in the midst of play, in the midst of worship. I can meet with him any time. I have continual encounters with Jesus. And I believe that's the call on all of us. Discipleship starts with being with Jesus, everything else flows out of that. And I want to encourage all of you, whether you have started just starting the journey, you haven't just figured out how to read your Bible and prayer. We, we want to do all we can to help you. Whether you've been on the journey for years, maybe you got a bit stale, or maybe just know, and I think many of us, there's a call to go deeper. Let's position ourselves for more encounters with Jesus, amen? But one thing I realized very, very early on, because actually my first experience of the Spirit in this way was before I became a Christian, was actually in a church. I quickly realized that as well as my own encounters with Jesus, there was something special and unique about encountering God with other disciples in a worshiping community. And if you look at Matthew chapter 28, it's always struck me, people sort of jump to the Great Commission, but the context of Jesus' commission is really important. You see, the disciples had spent three and a half years with Jesus, and most of the times, hear me clearly, most of the times when Jesus revealed himself was not to them one-on-one, -on -one, although, of course, Jesus does that. He, he, he seemed to love revealing himself to them in community. I mean, at the Mount of Transfiguration, there were three of them. Uh, all the way through, Jesus seems to specialize in showing up in, in community, and so when He's raised from the dead. And if you look at the 40 days from his resurrection to his ascension, he appears to the disciples. And again, most, not all, but most of the encounters that they had, the fresh revelations, were when they were together. And this passage, Matthew 28, is no exception. Matthew 28, Jesus actually told the disciples, I want to meet with you. And I want you to gather together. And, when, and, and, and so they, they gather together on the mountain they meet with him, but now they have a fresh revelation. This is not now Jesus, the traveling rabbi who they saw crucified. Now, this is the same Jesus, but now he's the risen, ascended Jesus. And, they, and there's something about him, and they go, wow, this time, notice what they do. It says they worshiped him. How many think that's a great first, great first response to a revelation with Jesus? Not, oh. That's nice. No, they worshipped him. The word worship there means, is, is the, the Greek that means to bow down and kiss. It's, a, it's an expression of adoration of Jesus, uh, the glorious uh, son of God. But notice there it says also, some doubted. Some doubted. The word there literally is hesitated. So there's a choice. When we, when we meet with Jesus, when we gather together, we can either be worshippers or we can be hesitant. Now, if people are coming in checking out Jesus, it's fine for them to kind of like, oh, I'm checking this out. But how do you know if we're going to be radical disciples, Jesus wants us to be full-on worshipers. Thank you, the three of you. He wants us to be full-on worshipers, just like we're doing here today. And then in that context of worship, it says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. So can I encourage us, 2023, a year of increasing encounters with 
Jesus. Let's come expectant on our own, in our gatherings. Let's make a priority. We are going to meet with Jesus. He's going to reveal himself to us in new ways, and he's going to transform us. Yeah. So that's the first thing, radical disciples continuing count Jesus. And out of that comes the second thing. We're then prepared for <clears throat> radical disciples wholeheartedly obey Jesus, wholeheartedly obey Jesus. Now, in the last 18 months, I've taken up playing golf. Um, I used to play golf uh, many, many years ago, but very, very badly and kind of half-heartedly. And so if any of you know anything about golf, if you don't really know how to play, it's an incredibly frustrating game. And so what I would do, my, my previous golf life was I'd hit the ball, it would almost certainly go like that or sometimes like that. And rather than going direct to the hole, uh, my, my kind of view, if you plotted my graph, it was zigzagging from bush to tree to rough to, to bunker. And it was exhausting and rather frustrating. So I thought, right, I'm going to become wholehearted in golf. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really, really try and improve. And I realized that part of the problem was I'd never, I never, I had some basic problems with my swing. It was always going wrong. I'd learned the wrong way. How many know it's possible in life to do something and keep repeating the same error again and again and again? You may look at your life and say, that's me right now. I keep messing up. Well, for me, I kept messing up <laughs> and it wasn't much fun at all. So I decided to get a few lessons and... Um, the first thing the instructor does, he starts trying to teach me some of the basics about, yeah, you, you've always been doing it this way, I need you to spring, swing this way. Now, if you've been doing something one way for a long time, it's almost like you get muscle memory, it's so hard to correct it. And sure enough, I'm beginning to then take his instructions, his teachings, go out on the course, and I'm actually coming quite good. Not brilliant, but quite good. But as I was reflecting, what I really need to see, sometimes though I get tired and, you know, I start going back to old habits and I can't correct it. And I thought what I really need would be for the instructor to give up his day job and come every time I go and play golf. And he could there coach me and instruct me on the way. Encourage me, don't worry about that bad shot, just make this tweet. I thought if he did that, I could become a pro golfer. I'd have to give up pastoring and... And, uh, and join the Pro Tour, just joking. Now, it's a bit like this when, when it comes to disciples of Jesus. That golf's just a hobby. It's good for my well-being, I enjoy it. But actually, to, to become a disciple of Jesus is something that is, a top, is the priority of life. And so, it's the call on us to give ourselves wholeheartedly. And if we are to wholeheartedly give ourselves to, as it were, changing the course of our lives... The first thing we need to do, a bit like me going to the instructor, is go, what's the rules of the game, as it were? What's the basic principles? What does it look like to become a follower of Jesus? Aren't you glad that we have a Bible and we have a New Testament, we have a Sermon on the Mount, we can actually go and look and say, okay, so the call of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus are over here. They're not like the way that the media tells me every day. Um, they're not the way necessarily my natural default mode before I become a Christian. Therefore, I have to change in line with the teachings of Jesus. I mean, it's that, that's the starting point. But just like with golf, it takes a while to retrain. Sometimes you may think, oh gosh, it's hard for me to, to change. No, uh, but the more you do it, the more you practice in the line of Jesus, you'll find and you look back. Don't become discouraged 
Look back and over the long haul, you can say, I am changing. And aren't you glad that if we fall, we have the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from all sin and the Spirit of God to pick us up and help us on the journey. And here's the good news. It's not that we just follow the teachings and wish there was an instructor. This is way better than golf because we have a, an instructor who's 24-7 with us and through the Holy Spirit in us. And he actually, as it were, changes us, empowers us to live the life of Jesus, to forgive us and cleanse us and move us on so that we can live wholeheartedly obedient lives. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Now, let me just say, this is a journey. Some of you may be just checking Christianity. You may be new. The first step in the journey, according to the Great Commission, the first public decision is baptism. And then from baptism, it goes on to a life of teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Notice that word, everything. This is not a cultural pick-and-mix Christianity. Just let's choose the bits we like. You see, the days of, well, I'll have a little bit of Jesus and carry on the way I lived, I want to tell you, those, those days are gone. It's a painful way to live if you live that. No, no. The, the, let's, not make, let's not allow the lie of the culture that says, well, it doesn't really matter what you do as long as it feels good. No, there is an absolute truth, and it's the Word of God, and it's the teachings of Jesus. He knows best. He knows how life is to be lived. And the good news is, when we live this way, just like when I put into practice what the instructor is teaching me, I find actually it's way more fun, it's way more liberating. Um, so, going the way of Jesus is the way to living in freedom. Jesus said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. My desire for you, I believe God is passionate for us all, that we'll wholeheartedly obey Jesus this year and we will start seeing our lives on a journey become more and more like Jesus and live the life of freedom he's called to us. So that's the, first, that's the second thing. And as we wholeheartedly obey Jesus, that this kind of overflows, thirdly, is that radical disciples sacrificially serve like Jesus. Now, Secular studies have shown that serving is good for us. It actually increases our sense of well-being and fulfillment. You know, I don't know about you, I love, I love films where the good guy is the one who does good to others, amen? How many know it's a better way to live beyond ourselves, just rather than living for ourselves, very small kind of life? God wants us to live a big kind of life. But what about when the call to serve others becomes inconvenient and costly? Many years ago, in fact, I was in my late 20s, being saved a few years. And at the time, I was, in, uh, I was training myself through a little kind of scripture memory system where you had little kind of memory cards. And I came to one card in particular, and the, the, the heading was, Serve Others. And it was from Matthew, Mark chapter 10, and the context was Jesus was basically challenging his disciples about what real greatness looked like. And he starts saying, basically, the way to true greatness is servanthood. And then this verse, um, as I read it, it was like an arrow of conviction. This is the words of Jesus. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom 
for many. And I think there was just a, there was a particular season then. I was you know, following Jesus, reading my Bible, wanted the call of Jesus, but basically there were so many areas of selfishness in my life and my interaction. It was like the Holy Spirit said, <laughs> you know, Dave, I've got a call on your life, but I want you to start dealing with selfishness. I want you to become like Jesus and to become a servant. How many know that is challenging? It was challenging back then, it's still challenging today. But can I say, this is the call on all of us as his people. I mean, imagine if the church of Jesus Christ, and I know I'm talking to many of you, you're already that, live a radical, sacrificial, servant-hearted life. What a beautiful testimony that would be. What great honor that would bring to Jesus, and what a great light that would be to our world. Amen? Totally counter-cultural. And so rather than uh, thinking about, you know, when it comes to, say, um, church or um, experiencing the good things of God, we're always thinking as consumers. So this is part of our culture. It, it, it trains our brain to think like, what's in it for me? I want to tell you, the way of Jesus is not one, what's in it for me. It's how can I move from being a consumer to being a contributor? And that's the way to true fulfillment. So if all the time we're trying to save our life and get stuff out of life, no, God's got a higher call for us. He wants us to uh, be those who put back into life and put back into others. How many you know when, you're, when you live like that, you, you can never outgive God? Uh, you know, Chris laid out for us again last week the importance of us actually having relationships and friendships. But true friends aren't always looking at so gimme, gimme, gimme. That's like, how can I serve you? How can I bless you? And throughout our history, um, we're going to be 35 years old as a church this, this September. And over 35 years, Karen and I, but yeah, amazing. Karen and I have been totally um, blown away by hundreds and hundreds of incredibly servant-hearted people who've joined over the years. People who served us in life groups. People who served us on Sundays. I mean, the fact that we are here today, whether you're watching online, somebody uh, served to put that service together. Whether we're here sitting in our various uh, campuses, somebody welcomed us and, uh, as we drove in the car park or on the front door or made the sounds that we could hear or put on worship or looked after our kids or our youth or tea and coffee, showed us to our seats, I could go on and on. Why don't we just put our hands together to everybody who is serving so amazingly in this house. If you talk to these people, yes, sometimes it costs, sometimes it's inconvenient. I mean, I've been doing this, as I say, just in this one local church for 35 years. Most of the time it's a joy. Sometimes it's hard. You've just got to get up and go again. That's the call of Jesus, amen? And the rewards are phenomenal. But many of these people, you talk to them, they're not, oh dear, this is the service. They, get, they say, I get to do this. Karen and I were making a recording this week. And, you know, just as we were filming something, I turned to her and I said, we get to do this. We get to do this. And the thing about serving is Jesus has called us and he wants us to exercise the gifts he's given us. And when you use what God has given you to, to see other people, starting in the church and overflowing into every relationship, you use your gift for the glory of God and serving others. It's like, yes, this is why I'm alive. Amen sacrificially serving like Jesus. But you know, church and serving within the house is, is critical, but it's actually an equipping place, an equipping station for the fourth 
and final characteristic of a radical disciple. And this is radical disciples courageously go with Jesus. You know, if we are talking about this increasing gap between the confused, broken, um, sometimes apathetic, sometimes even hostile culture and the call of Jesus, how many know it takes increasing courage to go into the world? I was with a bunch of national leaders this year and they were talking about places in India and uh, other parts of the world where their discipleship track, they're all preparing people for how will I respond when I get physically persecuted and put in prison? We're not there yet. I don't know whether we all be there yet, but how many know there's gonna be a more subtle challenge of actually shining as a light in a dark world? But that's the call of Jesus, folks. Let's not be those who hide our lights, but let's go out and shine the light of Jesus into a dark world, knowing that his way is best, always has been, always will be, in order that we might see multitudes drawn to the light and their lives might be transformed now and for all eternity. And that takes all of us playing our own part. You've got your sphere, your, your sphere of relationship, if you like, your personal mission. And then there's our together call in our groups, in our campuses, in a, and in our um, whole Kingsgate ministry. From the neighborhoods to the nations to see lives transformed by the power of God's love. And I'm looking forward in a few weeks' time to really kind of leaning into that mission. But before I close, I, I want to just encourage you that when we go on mission, we don't go alone. We courageously, you know the phrase there, go with Jesus. You see, it can be intimidating to go and be a witness. But I felt as I was praying, the Holy Spirit saying to many of you, I want you to lift up your head and I want you to be bold because you are going in the one who we just read earlier on has all authority in heaven and on earth. You may be the only Christian in your street or your, or your place of work or your sphere of relationships, but you have the authority of Jesus, all the powers of heaven, all the angels. You have the power of the Holy Spirit so you can go with fresh boldness. You can go into the classroom and teach. You can go into the, the hospital wards with some of what's going on there. You can go um, and, and, and look after your kids or elderly parents and you have a spiritual authority and you can pray in the name of Jesus and you can be an atmosphere changer in the name of the one who has all authority. Let's speak Jesus. But there's a promise, not only do we go with his authority, we also go with his abiding power and presence. I love the way Matthew's gospel finishes. These last words of the Great Commission is this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You're not on your own, you go with Jesus. And so in this kind of kickoff to our vision series, I want you maybe just like to, you'll see it on the screen or you just wanna take the, this card and like to take this away as a reminder. Think, think for a moment, what would it look like for you starting today to radically, to continually encounter Jesus? What would it look like for you today to start wholeheartedly obeying Jesus? What would it look like for you to sacrificially serve like Jesus? What would it look like for you to courageously go with 
Jesus. Imagine if all of us took a next step. There may be one of those four areas. Say, that's the area I need to work on first. How many know you've got God's help and God's grace? He's gonna help you on the way. Amen? Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So wherever we are now, where, whatever campus, we're gonna respond. And I'd like to invite you just to stand to your feet for a moment. And I'm conscious that, and you can join us at home if you're able to, that we're all on a journey here. <laughs> Some of you may be not yet a follower of Jesus, and this is your moment. What better way to, as it were, set your own personal trajectory? Say, <laughs> so I'm going to become a radical disciple of Jesus. Maybe some of you, if you look at your life, you say, well, do you know, I was once on fire for Jesus. I once, was once pretty radical, but I've drifted. I think sometimes the drift is not necessarily intentional. Sometimes it can just be the culture pulls us and before we know it, we think I'm just living a rather consumeristic, cozy, comfortable kind of Christianity and I wanna be somebody who says, I wanna be all in. And then there's others, others of us, I know many of you where I'm at, where we're living a radical life. We say, Lord, I want more encounters with you. I wanna please you more. I wanna serve you more. I wanna be a greater witness for you. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to encourage you now, if again, we could do this without damaging our neighbor, okay? So I'd like you to get your two feet kind of like this. Don't do it, I'll show you how to do it because I wanna make sure we do this health and safety and all the rest of it. <laughs> I, I, I'm joking, but this is a serious step. If you wanna be a, say, Lord, I need your help. I'm on a journey, but I want to be all in. I want both feet in. If this is the pull of the world and this is the kingdom, you're gonna make a little jump. Don't do it right now. I kind of like that. Okay, and so that you don't bump the neighbor, you're probably better do it in the middle like that. So let's just pray. Father, I pray right now for everybody here today watching. And if you say, I want to become a follower of Jesus for the first time, or you want to say, I've been away from Jesus. And I want to give my life to the Lord. Just before we all respond, if that's you today, just stick your hand up. I'd love to pray for you. That's it. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Loads of hands going up. Just keep your hand up. You say, I've drifted. I don't know Jesus or I want to come back to him. Why don't we just pray this together? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your calling on my life. I thank you that you laid down your life, that I might be forgiven, that I might be born again, that I might have a hope and a future. And now risen Jesus, I invite you to come into my life and I make a choice from this day on with the help of your spirit I'm going to become a radical disciple of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. And now for all of us, are you ready? Think what this means for you. It might be an encounter, it might be an obedience, it might be in serving, it might be in mission. Jesus talks about counting the cost. What does this look like?
We're just setting the course here and we're gonna go on a journey over the next few weeks. Count of three, ready, in with both feet. One, two, three. Lord, we give our lives to you now as an offering and a sacrifice. And now, Lord, we pray that you come by your Holy Spirit and you'll pour out a revival anointing over this church. You see, the promise of Jesus, lo, I'm with you always, was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came with tongues of fire. And right now, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to come on us. You see, we're not called to live this life on our own. We have the filling and the purifying and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So let's just lift our hands and as the the band lead us, we're gonna invite the Holy Spirit to come and I'm gonna pray in a minute that we're gonna receive a fresh anointing and empowering from the Holy Spirit to help us on this journey of radical disciples.